1: addressing he knew his audience and he was focused on doing his best to tear down all of the excuse barriers that they built one of my instructors 40 years ago it was one of his things that stuck with me he said everybody has an excuse box if you're gonna share the gospel your job is to destroy that excuse box
0: know your audience you may not be in ministry but I bet you have made at least a few excuses. Okay, maybe more than a few. You're not alone, and today Pastor Robert reminds you that to become a disciple and share the gospel, you will have to destroy your excuse box and the excuses of those you share the Bible with. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast, subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Acts, chapter 21, as he continues his message, Faithful Friends.
2: His love is the
1: I remember I had a student 30-something years ago from Germany. And her parents were so, so upset with her because she wasn't following the traditional German educational path. Instead, she went to the mission field for Jesus. And they were really upset with her. Because how are you gonna how are you gonna survive? How you how are you gonna work a job and take care of yourself? You have to do things a certain way. And she and her husband have been serving Jesus in Latin America now for 30 years, in Peru for I don't know how many years, and in Guatemala for like the last 15 or so. And God provides what they need. Saul of Tarsus surrendered his will to the lordship of his Messiah. Christ, And he accepted the fact that in his zeal for God, he had been horribly mistaken. And so that question, what shall I do, Lord? That question marked the moment of Saul's repentance, the instant of his salvation. It was the very second when Saul of Tarsus died and a new creation, Paul, was born. Verse 12, he says, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, talking about Damascus, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one the Messiah, and hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witnesses to all men of what you've seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The Apostle Paul, he's doing his utmost to make it clear to his audience there in Jerusalem that he had never turned his back on the God of their fathers. He tells him, even the guy that was sent to me that, to pray for me, to, for my sight to be restored, this, this guy Ananias, he, he was a devout Jewish traditionalist. He kept the law. He keeps the law. He's respected by his countrymen there, his fellow Jews in, in Damascus. You see, Paul knew who he was addressing. He knew his audience. And he was focused on doing his best to tear down all of the excuse barriers that they built. One of my instructors 40 years ago, it was one of his things that stuck with me. He said, everybody has an excuse box. If you're going to share the gospel, your job is to destroy that excuse box. People have excuses about why they won't trust Jesus, why they won't follow Jesus, why they don't believe the gospel. Paul was tearing down excuse barriers, doing his best to destroy their excuse boxes so that they could hear and and hopefully receive the gospel. But with that, see, he also knew that he had to confront the hardness of their hearts. So he continued in verse 17 saying, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem that I was praying in the temple I was in a trance and I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word, and then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. He's not fit to live. Now, some say that Paul made a mistake right there. It was a tactical error on his part. He was doing great. They were listening. He had their attention, but as soon as he said that Jesus sent him out of Jerusalem to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles, like, no, that, that was more than they could take. And he knew it would be, because everybody knew that Gentiles couldn't be saved. That was the prevailing thought, the prevailing attitude among the typical religious Jewish person in those days. Gentiles couldn't be rescued. So clearly, this was a mistake to even bring that up, Paul. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. See, I think Paul was doing exactly as he had been instructed by God to do at that point in time. I think Paul was acting in love. As a devoted Jew, conducting himself as a fearless and faithful friend to his former associates. Listen, I mentioned him a few minutes ago, the man who confronted me when I was 21 years old. I'd taken a job in a plywood manufacturing plant in Juliet, Georgia. It was a horribly demanding job physically. Physically. And I was standing across an assembly line from this guy who was really good. He was really good at his job. I know that at some point I knew his name, but can't remember it. Everybody just called him Preacher. As far as I know, he was the only committed Christian working the midnight shift in that whole factory. And... I was straight across the line from him for several months. I wasn't really good at my job. I struggled. He seemed to just be able, it was just crazy watching him. He was known for being the best at what he did. His particular piece of the puzzle in making plywood and because I wasn't terribly good at it, what would come out of my mouth on a regular basis was, let's just say, less than edifying. Every other word was something vulgar, out of frustration. And one night, he looked me, he just out of the, I mean, just out of the blue, he looked me in the eye, and he said, Robert, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. And he said, really? And I said, yes. Yes. Really? Because what do we do when we're confronted? Most of us get angry. I share this story every so often, hoping, hoping that maybe somebody who knows him might get word to him. How much God, serious, I'm serious. I'm serious. Somebody maybe see this on YouTube or Facebook, you know, because we do these services Maybe the word will get back to him that he made such an impact on my life. I was 21 years old. This was, you understand, this was more than 40 years ago. This was more than 40 years ago. And he didn't stop there.